Welcome to the playoffs, fellow Lions fans. I'm Dr. Jimmy Liao, University of Michigan Medical School grad, board certified in family medicine, here to give you your weekly Detroit Lions medical update. So excited to see number nine make a triumphant return to Ford Field on Sunday. It's going to be a spectacular scene. That's right. Jamison Williams should be back from his right low ankle sprain. Today I'm going to be talking in depth about Sam Laporta as well as Kali Freeman, Jamo, Brian Branch, Brock Wright, Lee McNeil, James Houston, and more. We'll go over the Wednesday injury report for both the Lions and the Rams. We'll do all that next. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Congrats to the Michigan football team for their first national championship since 1997, which was my first year of medical school there. Clearly, I inspired the team with my presence. I went to a bunch of games at the big house that year. Many of them, I worked with the FAST team, which stood for the First Aid Station team. We would provide simple medical support throughout the stadium. Fortunately, I didn't see any serious issues while I worked there. Now let's talk about the Vikings game and what we saw. If you want to see any slow-mo videos of any of these injuries, as always, go to my Twitter, at JimmyLiaoMD. Last name is L-I-A-O. Sam Laporta. Congrats on the Pro Bowl and setting the tight end record, which was set way back in 1988. He got his 82nd catch in the first quarter. Unfortunately, late in the second quarter at about the two-minute mark, his left knee got hyperextended. It looked on video like a varus deformity, which causes the knee to bend outward, thus spraining the outside ligaments of the knee. Varus is when the knees bend outward. The opposite is valgus, when the knees bend inward or a knock-kneed appearance. The mnemonic I learned was varus means the knees are very far apart. Most NFL injuries are going to be valgus injuries because you're getting hit from the outside in. It's unlikely for the knee to be get gotten hit on the inside, thus pushing outward. Valgus injuries will typically cause MCL sprains, which is the more common injury in the NFL. After the game, Dan Campbell reported that things were not as bad as initially feared. Later that day, the MRI was done, and the public report was a hyperextension with a bone bruise. Now, both these reports were very reassuring because that meant no ACL tear, which is what we saw with TJ Hawkinson just a couple weeks ago. A hyperextension can also cause a tibial plateau fracture. J.J. Watt had this a few years ago. It took three to four months to recover. Also, any kind of lateral knee injury can cause a perineal nerve damage. Jalen Smith famously had this at Notre Dame when he tore his ACL, LCL with a hyperextension and then had that nerve damage, which was a career changer for him. The MRI public report did not comment on any ligament sprains or cartilage damage, though. So we don't know for sure how much damage there is there. But at least one ligament was likely sprained based on that severity of hyperextension that he suffered. Now, that varus load puts the lateral compartment of the knee at risk. Over there is the LCL, which is the lateral collateral ligament, 
Also the PLC, what that stands for is the posterior lateral corner. Posterior is the back of the knee, lateral is the outside of the knee. So the back outside part of the knee, there's a structure there called the PLC. So what is the PLC? It comprises multiple ligaments, including the lateral collateral ligament, the popliteus tendon, and the popliteofibular ligament. It's an uncommon injury in the NFL, again, because it requires the knee to bend outward. Usually, you're not getting hit on the inside of the knee. Now, the main concern or one of the biggest concerns with the injury to the PLC is that up to 30% have that perineal nerve injury that Jalen Smith suffered. Now, the PLC, there are three grades. Grade one or two are mild to moderate non-surgical. Severe grade three likely requires surgery. But from the sounds of it, if Laporta did have a PLC sprain, it's not that severe. Now, on Monday, Dan Campbell and his presser said there was an outside chance he could play on Sunday. Again, continued good news rolling in. He said we would know more in 48 hours. Why 48 hours? Well, it's possible you might have been getting a knee scope to check damage not seen on the MRI. Why would he be doing that? Well, MRIs are not perfect. For example, MRI sensitivity for meniscus tears is around 80-90%. What is sensitivity? That's if Laporta had a meniscus tear, there's about an 80-90% to chance that the MRI would show it. A knee scope would be the gold standard. You can actually put a camera in there, look around, check the meniscus, check other cartilage, check the ACL-PCL. So there's a chance he could be getting a scope just to make sure there was not damage not seen on the MRI. Now, today on Wednesday, Dan Campbell reported that Laporta was at a walkthrough. That's pretty remarkable to hear that. That suggests that if he did have a scope, no further damage was seen. It also suggests no serious issue going on with his knee at this point. So good news, bad news here. The good news This injury should not affect him next season. Again, it could have been a much, much worse issue, a season ender, possibly even a career changer like Jalen Smith. The bad news is he's almost certainly out this week. There's still a decent chance he's out for the playoffs, depending on how far we go. Multiple ligament sprains are possible. There's still a chance he could have had subcartilage damage, hard to say. At Iowa, he had a meniscus tear in 2022, so he has had a history of cartilage damage in the past. Now, a couple questions on Twitter. Briar Gallahue asked, does this potentially mean Laporta's timeline is closer to the one Kelsey had from his hyperextension and bone bruise? Travis Kelsey had a bone bruise on the Tuesday before our game in week one against Kansas City. That was two days before our game. He missed our game in week one, but returned in week two. So he returned in less than two weeks. Does that mean Laporta could return in two weeks? It's possible, but we don't have any video of Kelsey's injury. There's a pretty good chance it was not as severe as Laporta's. But again, every injury is different. Everybody's body and ligaments are different. Another question on Twitter by Bailey PB: How much of playing with a bone bruise is pain management versus risk of further injury? All right, so let's talk about a bone bruise. It occurs when the tibia, that's the lower leg bone, and the femur, which is the upper leg bone, they hit each other, causing bruising of the bone. 
bone bruise by itself is not that big of a deal. Bones heal really well. You can crack a bone in half and it heals up pretty amazingly. What doesn't heal well in the body is cartilage. The bone bruise also means that there was some cartilage damage because there's a surface of the bone cartilage called the articular cartilage. It's the smooth, slippery surface that covers the bone. When you eat a, eat a chicken leg or a chicken wing, if you feel that end of the bone, you'll feel a slippery, smooth surface. That is the articular cartilage. So when you get a bone bruise, that cartilage hits each other, and that cartilage very likely suffers some damage. That's the cartilage that prevents long-term arthritis. So it is a critical cartilage for long, lifelong knee health. Playing on injured cartilage potentially risks further damage to that cartilage and even potentially permanent damage. So playing on a bone bruise is not just a pain management issue. You do want to give it a little bit of time to hopefully let that cartilage heal up a little bit before you stress it and damage it further. The bottom line with Laporta is overall excellent news after a terrifying injury video. There's some hope he could be back if we go deeper into the playoffs. There's even a tiny, tiny bit of hope we could see him this weekend, but I doubt it. Good chance he misses the rest of the season, but very good news that he should be 100% going into next season. All right, next guy we saw that get injured on the Vikings game was Khalif Raymond. Fourth quarter, about the 13-minute mark, hurt his right knee when he landed hard on the turf. It's a similar knee injury video to what we saw with Vitae earlier this year. It's also a similar injury to what Lamar Jackson had last year for which he missed a few games. Hopefully it's just a simple knee contusion, maybe a patella contusion or a bursitis, but there's a chance of a PCL sprain, which is what Lamar Jackson had last year. There's also always a risk of cartilage damage like what we saw with Ragnow earlier this year. So Depending on the severity of a possible PCL sprain, which is the posterior cruciate ligament, this could be a multi-week injury, depending. The good news is this is not a long-term issue, won't affect him next season. The bad news is he could be out for the playoffs. Amon Ra, in the third quarter, about the five-minute mark, hurt his abs or maybe his lower rib cage or rib cartilage. He returned immediately and had that 70-plus yard touchdown afterwards. This injury occurred when it looked like he got a knee in the abdomen from a Viking defender. Alex Anzalone in the third quarter, about the three-minute mark, got hunched over briefly. He never left the game. Looked like he might have gotten kicked or taken a cleat to the right ab area. He didn't miss a play, so he should be fine. Brian Branch in the early third quarter, about the 14-minute mark, looked like he landed on the ground with his right arm outstretched. It was reported during the game he had a right wrist injury. He returned to the game in the third quarter. I looked closely at his right and left wrists. There was no significant brace on his right wrist. He might have had it taped up with a glove over the top, but there was no significant brace or splint on it. So doesn't sound like anything too serious with him. Now, CJ GJ made his return. He didn't get the start, but he played for the first time since week two. Now, he had his pecked here in week two. If we weren't going to the playoffs, he probably doesn't return this year. 
So it was great that he worked hard and the team was doing great with a likely play playoff appearance. He played 52 snaps in the game, which is a little bit surprising to me. It was more than Iffy and Kirby. Now, with him playing 52 snaps this game, I'm not sure why he couldn't have played last game, maybe gotten like 10 or 20 snaps. That would have helped him out a little bit as he head into the playoffs, but at least he got a game under his belt. Ali McNeil, I want to give a special shout out to. Now, to recap his case, on December the 3rd in the Saints game, he got hurt early in the third quarter by the 13-minute mark. He missed the rest of that series but played every other series in that game. Two days later, he went on IR for MCL spraying. We got to give this guy a ton of credit for toughness. Now, I know all NFL guys are tough. All NFL guys play through some kind of injury, but usually we never know how severe their actual injuries are. With Aleem, we know how severe his injury was. He played through a moderately sprained MCL, probably a grade two out of three. He played by throwing a soft brace on it, played another half of football on it. Now, you know he played through some toughness because if you look carefully at the brace he wore when he came back in the game, compared to the brace he wore a couple of days ago after four weeks, that brace after four weeks is significantly bigger and heavier duty. That really tells you all you need to know about what he played through when you initially heard it. He had a great hit on the quarterback at the end of the first quarter, played 30 snaps, which was only second behind Tyson Alualu. So he got a lot of snaps this game. That's really good because we're going to need him next game against Stafford. We watched Stafford play for 12 years. We know his weaknesses, and one of them is he does not like pressure up the middle. He doesn't like messy pockets. He doesn't like guys at his feet. That can disrupt him, cause him to throw balls up. So getting that pressure up the middle, hopefully we see Ali McNeil have a career game and push that pocket in and get that pressure on Stafford. Now let's get to the Wednesday injury report. I'm recording this Wednesday night. The abbreviations I use during the report are NP for no practice, LP for limited practice, and FP for full practice. Let's start with the Lions. Unlisted are Amara, Anzalone, Aleem McNeil, and CJGJ, which is great news for all those guys. Taylor Decker... MP due to rest. He's been playing through a growing issue the past couple weeks. He'll be fine for the game. Glasgow with the NP also listed due to rest. So he's fine. Laporta, despite the suggested walkthrough by Dan Campbell, he's got an NP, not an LP on the practice report. I don't expect him to be available for this weekend, but there's a possibility the week after he could be available. Frank Ragnow gets his typical MP due to a rest issue. He'll be fine. So our entire O-line is going to be healthy. This is multiple weeks in a row now that our O-line has been intact and healthy. Great news there. Khalif Raymond, as we discussed earlier, with a possible PCL spring with an MP, doesn't look like he's going to be available for the game this weekend. Jerry Jacobs, Surprisingly, on there with a thigh injury with an LP. I didn't see anything on video. Hopefully, he's fine. Brian Branch 
which we discussed earlier with a right wrist injury with an FP, which was expected. He'll be fine for the game. John Kominsky had an FP despite being listed with an illness, so sounds like he should be good to go. James Houston has a surprising designation of an FP. Now, to recap his case, week two, the video showed a severe high ankle sprain, which caused a fibula fracture. On December 28th, his 21-day practice window opened. So today is 13 days into that window. The Rams game will be 17 days into the window. For comparison, CJGJ didn't play until 18 days into his window. So I didn't really expect Aleem to be available for this upcoming game. However, that FP suggests that we possibly could see him this weekend. We still haven't seen any videos of him doing any kind of lateral movement drills or any kind of circle drills. So this FP is surprising, but is hopeful that maybe we can see some limited action before the season is out for him. That would be great news. Next is Cam Sutton, who's had a toe injury for a couple weeks now. He's now listed with a toe heel. He's got an FP, though, so he'll play in the game. J-Mo, coming back from his right low ankle sprain a couple weeks ago, he probably could have played last week against the Vikings. He was listed with an ankle and illness last week, but I did see him on the sideline during the Vikings game looking just fine, so that was all good news. With the FP, it means he is ready to go on Sunday. Brock Wright surprisingly has an FP. He missed the last three games due to a hip injury. I was a little bit worried about that because he hasn't had practice for three weeks now. So having him back with the FP and likely available for this weekend is tremendously good news with Laporta being likely out. Now let's do the Rams. Joe Noteboom, offensive guard, hurt his heel, missed last game. He's been an intermittent starter this year. He had an NP on Wednesday, so he'll be one to watch. Jordan Fuller is an important player for them. He's a free safety, hurt his ankle last game, ended up leaving the game. Sean McVay says he's day-to-day. Fuller has played 93% of snaps this year for them. For six turnovers, he's got 94 tackles, which is second on the team. So he'll be a big loss if he can't go. Troy Reader hyperextended his knee last game. He's a linebacker that plays part-time around 20 to 30% of snaps. Kevin Dotson is their starting offensive guard listed with a shoulder with an LP. The LP suggests good chance he'll play. Tyler Higby tight end dislocated his shoulder and missed last game. The LP on Wednesday for him suggests that he may be trending towards playing. He's a pretty important target for them. He's got 47 receptions this year for 495 yards. That's it for today. Enjoy that home playoff game on Sunday night. I'll be watching on TV and can't wait to see the celebration when we crush Stafford and the Rams. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes! You've had enough of that shit.